Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Phil Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. We had a most excitable time in the Word of God talking about Colossians and Colossians is talking about Paul's a little bit miffed, he's in jail and he finds out the Colossian church, which is a small church and they started well but then they got all mixed up and uh, the church got screwed up, they had a little bit of the Jewish religion happening, they had this other man's philosophies and then they had Christ, the Christianity. But it was all mixed up, it was all jumbled. Paul heard about it in the jail cell and he said, no, 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 no. Christ is our sufficiency. Christ has superseded the Old Testament. And now it's Christ, it's by grace that we give, we love, we worship. It's by grace that we walk out our life in God, amen? And so we're talking about Colossians, we're talking about the supremacy of Christ that can heal you, bless you, set you free, amen? And they had an inept gospel. They were starting to say, no, we need more than the gospel. We need more than Christ. We need to add a bit of this, add a bit of that. And Paul says, no, no, it's the supremacy of Christ. He's our sufficiency. And in that, our narrative in the book of Colossians is about, it's about the magnificent surrender to God and trusting Him for our very life, our very direction in life. Our very welfare, we trust Him. Do you trust Him like that? Do you trust God that radically? I mean, I remember the day I gave up work and I was being invited to Bible college in 1990. Had a plan to do 10 years at work and save all this money, pay my house off. That was my quest. I was on a quest. I was like Indiana Jones. And uh, I was on a quest for that pot of gold. And then the Lord chose me out of amongst the 400 people church at that time and uh, they said, we're choosing you uh, to go to Bible college out of all these people. I said, no, no, that's not me. I've got this plan. I've got to go to work, man. I'm the, I've got to bring home the bacon. I'm the provider. That's not me. I'm not into that sort of stuff. And I had a wrestle and ended up limping, you know, ended up limping and walked up to the boss of this place. I said, I, I, it looks like I've got to leave. He said, well, wait, because... You know, we want people to actually leave. And, and in that, you'll be retrenched. And in that, you'll get six weeks for every year you're here. And I was with them for five years. And, and everything that I wanted in this 10 years was fulfilled in the five years when I left. And, and I near paid my house off then. But that was then because I borrowed a lot more money to extend it and do this and do that. And, but, but, but I nearly got there. And, and, and it was awesome. And, and, um, and I went to Bible college for a year. It was the hardest year of my life, looking in the mirror of the Word, looking at myself, and then looking at the family album of our great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather Abraham, and looking at all these legends of the faith. I'm going, man, this is awesome. I'm part of this family of God, you know. Paul is saying to the church, guys, it's Christ. He's your sufficiency. He's your salvation. He's all you need. And they say your religion will never be any higher than your view of God. That's why you need to come up sometimes up the mountain, like a Mount Everest. You need to get up that mountain and get up. I went to a marriage uh, seminar. It was a, a day or two day. It was a two day course. And we turned up at this house. We were in Castle Hill somewhere. And we 
traveled from our church down there. And in this house was this mountain gear full, with the goggles and the, everything, like a mountaineer's outfit in the corner of this suburban Castle Hill house. He, he had the, you know, the, the skiing poles. And, and I went, wow. It sort of got me. I said, wow, what's that? He said, oh, no, he, my husband's into mountaineering, mountaineering. So some of you guys, you need to get... You need to get up the mountain and see Christ. You need to see how huge and among us, how magnificent, how splendid. And when you do, seemingly when you do get up there and get this panoramic view of who Christ is, seated at the right hand of God in heaven, on the throne, when you see that, you realize that the whole planet, the whole galaxy, the whole universe is rotating around Christ. It's Christ, the Son of God, the magnificent God, Father God, sent His Son on mission for our sin, our situation of being separated from God. Son, do you think you can do it? I'll give it a good shot. You know they're going to persecute you. You know they're not going to be happy with this. There's devils down there. It's a fallen planet. I'm gonna, you're going to have to lean on me. You're not going to be able to do anything by yourself. You're going to have to abide in me. Unless we abide in Christ, we can do nothing, amen? You've got to be in Christ. You've got to be in Christ. And that's, our, that's what our message is about. We're about to do this whole theme through the connect groups, in Christ, through all the connect groups, because we believe if we, can do, if we can get this on the inside of people, if we can get this on the inside of people, they'll, they'll never be the same again. So Paul talks about, basically in Colossians, who Christ is, the Son and the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. I'm just reading some scriptures, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. For him in all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that everything he might have the supremacy. Amen? Say supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on, on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you, good news, by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So Paul starts off with the Colossian letter saying how supreme Christ is. But then there's these hinges. It's like a hinge on a door because he goes into exhorting us to pray for each other, uh, be mindful of each other, you know, encourage each other, and all, all about these civil, I guess, civil behaviors that we should have out in our community. And he says this in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. He says, 
So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. So as you receive Christ Jesus as your Lord, continue to live in Him. Remember a lady got saved in our church in the high school hall. She came out and literally fell to her knees on the altar and gave her life to the Lord. Quite extreme. Came to the altar, fell to her knees. And that's awesome. That's fantastic. And some of you wonderful people have had life encounters with God and getting saved. That is fantastic. But it's a realizing that Christ is our Savior is awesome. But to realize that He's Lord in your daily life is another thing. So it's daily decisions because it's so easy to have, you know, like health care. I've got health care now. I never used to have health care because my, my faith was so extreme that I believe my eyes would be 20-20. For the, I went to the optometrist and said, something strange, I don't know what it is, but it, it just can you help me? Look, I know there's nothing wrong with my eyes. He says, how old are you? I told him, and he says, yeah, you're getting on, you know. He said, you might need glasses. No, that couldn't be the problem. No, no there's got to be some way around this that my body cannot be breaking down. But my faith for health is extreme. My faith for salvation is extreme. But my faith then needs to be saying to God in a daily fashion, in a daily lifestyle, Jesus, you're Lord of my life. You're not just health care. You're not just health care that if I get stuck and if I get hit by a truck, I'm bound for heaven. Amen? No, I, 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 you're Lord of my life. And there's ways that we, we enact that in our daily life. Giving is one of the most monumental things that we do to say, Jesus, you're Lord of my life. Because you cannot serve money. You cannot serve materialism. You cannot serve the spirit of this age and serve God at the same time. Jesus said that. And that's the only time he made that comparison. You cannot serve me and you cannot bow your knee to the fear of not having enough. Amen? Or me not being your provider. You've got to bow your knee to me and you've got to have hope in me. You've got to trust in me. The book of Colossians starts off, let's do this. Chapter 1, 3 says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith. C3 Tugra, I hope people are hearing about our faith, how extreme our faith is. We just sent Garth and Jamie over to Nairobi. That's radical faith. That's believing. That's, that's believing with our heart that God, that's a magnificent surrender of two people saying, God, we trust you that you are directing us. We trust you, God. Our faith is in you, God. I believe faith comes from God. I believe faith is not just what you can drum up. Well, the Bible says it like this in John chapter 15, unless you abide in the vine, you cannot ask anything and get it. Meaning this, I believe faith is existential. What does that mean? What does existential mean? Faith is like this. It's like that video I tried to show the other day. Indiana Jones, he's got a map. He's trying to find this loot. He's on a quest. He's seeking. And the map says that there's a bridge over a chasm. Thousand foot down, there is a bridge, but there's no bridge. I'm seeing, but I can't, you know, I'm not seeing. The map says there's a bridge. Now he's got to believe 
he has a crisis of faith, he's going to believe that when he steps out into thin air, that something will materialize. And we showed the video a couple of weeks ago, and that's exactly what happened when he said, I'm going to believe, I'm going to trust this map for the sake, because he was trying to save his father, I think, at that moment. He says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to believe I can get to the other side. It says there's a bridge there. I can't see it, but here I go. And he steps out and boom, the bridge materializes. And every time he takes a step, another part of it, another part of it, another part of it. Well, he gets to the other side, doesn't he? Faith is existential. Faith exists. God's will exists. See, faith is accessing its source from God. It's understanding God's mind, God's will on any occasion. See, Father God or Jesus couldn't do anything unless the Father said so. Even Jesus was second-guessing. He said, I'm not doing anything. I'm not raising any dead people. I'm not doing anything unless my Father says so. I know what I'd like to do. I'd like to bless everyone. I'm sure he was saying that, but I cannot do anything unless the Father says. And he did. He only did what the Father said. That's faith. Jesus showed us. He personified what faith is. That's why we need to abide in Christ. When you abide in Christ, you can interpret life different. You see life different. You view life different. But you got to have faith. you got to have faith to live in that zone. See, Christians don't live by sight, they live by faith. Faith, hope, and love is what the Apostle Paul commends the Colossian church. Let's have a look at it again. Verse 4, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all of God's people, that meaning that they were loving on each other, they were encouraging each other, they were blessing each other, They were lifting each other up to Christ and believing for each other. Verse 5, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. So this faith and love sprung out from hope. What's hope? Is that just optimism? No, hope is much more than that. Hope is absolute confidence that the word of God is true, that Jesus is on the right hand of the Father in heaven, on the throne. He's in control. Amen? So we use hope like this. I hope it doesn't get too muddy out there, meaning that it will get muddy out there. Amen? I hope she turns up knowing that she won't turn up. We use hope in a negative connotation. Amen? But biblical hope is the reversal. See, faith is like super glue to hope. Faith is looking for hope and it goes, it loves hope because hope is rock steady. Colossians chapter 2, for those at Laodicea, for all who have not met me personally, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, Christ in you. Amen? Faith. It's, it's extreme confidence in God. Extreme confidence. Colossians 1.3, remember it says, we also thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith 
in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up in you. Now, what's this hope stored up in us? That's where I want to go. That's where I want to go. I want to go to hope. I want to talk about hope, not in a negative way. I want to talk about hope is our rock-solid belief, confidence, trust in and on the person of Jesus Christ, our hope. Someone said, hope is the ability to hear the music of the future. Faith is the courage to dance to it today. Do you like that? Hope is the ability to hear the music of the future. Faith is the courage to dance to it today. I love that. Hope is a powerful incentive for us to love each other. Philippians 2.4 says, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. We see this godly virtues in action. Faith expressed through love springs from the hope stored up for us in heaven. Romans 12.10 says, be devoted to one another in love. That's why I love this church. This church, everyone that walks into it says, man, the love is palpable. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. I want to make a point about hope. A patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, like patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Is it possible that a church which lacks love is also one which lacks hope and even faith? I believe it is. Paul celebrates this Thessalonian church. He says in 1 Thessalonians 1, 1.3, he says, Remember before our God and our Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love and your endurance. 1 Thessalonians 1.3, Paul again admonishing this church. We remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Hope is the key word. Hope, tremendous power in that in that absolutely rock solid conviction of your soul and spirit that God is, that his word is true, that Jesus Christ came, died on the cross, rose, lives at the, at the right hand of God. Hope is what we need at the end of the day. The world lost its innocence, they say, in the 60s through the sexual revolution. Then it lost its respect for authority in the 70s. Then they say in the 80s and the 90s and thereon says that people have lost their hope in God, lost their hope in the world and in God. Hope is what we need to have abundance of. Amen. Romans 5.5 5 says, and hope does not put us to shame, meaning we're assured about this stuff, meaning the Bible and what we believe in, it's absolutely reeking of confidence and assurance of who we are in God. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You'll never be disappointed in God. You'll never be disappointed if you put your faith towards God, the promises of God. You'll never be ashamed. You'll never be ashamed if you put your heart, your soul towards God. Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Paul is praying for the Ephesians church. I pray that the eyes of your heart be open, 
that you can see the incomparable glory of God coming towards you, that you can see the gospel coming towards you, that you can see the goodness of God coming towards you. See, God's like a river. It's flowing. It's flowing like a river. It's flowing through you and I. God is flowing like a river. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. It's not stagnant. We're not a stagnant pool. The Dead Sea, nothing lives. No joy, no peace. No, man. I'm receiving and I'm giving. I'm receiving and I'm giving. Freely receive, freely give. A river of life. It's flowing now. I used to love to get down to the creek. We used to live on the western suburbs of Sydney where houses weren't, you know, there was lots of bush. We used to go down there and we love the challenge as boys. This is old school growing up as boys because boys like a challenge. They like to redirect rivers. We directed creeks. We said, we're going to redirect this creek. You reckon we can do it? Yeah, we can do it. Mightn't have been the widest creek, but still, let's do it. Let's get some shovels. Borrow the old man's shovels, go down there. Start moving some soil, man. That's where you get real strength, not pumping weights at gyms. I was at Mount Penang with the juvenile offenders. They had muscles bigger than, much bigger than I, definition, six packs. And we used to throw them around like fleas. And I used to say to my other co-worker, I said, what is it with these guys? They've got no strength. They look so magnificent. They look so well, they look strong. You know, but we'd have a little tussle with them and then all of a sudden they're down on the ground crying. Or we'd throw them to the other side of the room. I'm going, what is this? And I realized the gym, doing weights doesn't give you real strength. It's the challenge of digging a hole. Romans 15, 30, and I'm having some fun with you. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. That's what we need, joy and peace. If you haven't got joy or peace, get into Christ, in Christ. As you trust in Him, do you trust in your God tonight? Do you trust in God so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit? Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In His love, He will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. He is our deliverer. Psalm 131 verse 1 says, my heart is not proud. Lord, my eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters of things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself and I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forever. Putting your trust in God, great peace comes upon you. Great peace. Man, do you know how many people are stressed out now? I think the church should have something something so real, something so tangible, something that so works that causes people to come into their right mind and allow peace to flood their very soul. People are having panic attacks. People are stressed out, worried about. I mean, it is because of the tension on the planet and the busyness and the complexities of life. But still, you can be so at peace in that if you are in Christ. In Christ is our statement tonight. Five foundations of hope, because I've got to do this. i just got to give you just quickly five foundations of hope. Psalm 73, 25. First one, this hope. In the book of Hebrews, maybe this will help explain it. 
because you're not going to get it otherwise. Pastor Phil, how do you get so much hope in God? Do you just believe harder? Do you, do you really just make your mind up, draw a line in the sand, and you just choose to believe all this great stuff about God? Yeah, but it's the riches of Christ that enable you to live it effortlessly by grace. I just believe right now I'm in right standing with God and I have extreme hope for everything to be turned around for good to those that love God according to his purpose and plan. You give me a problem and I just love the fact that it, it can be solved. It can be solved in God. Give me enough time and I'll get out of that chest like Houdini in the water, no air, the lock's outside. Give me that opportunity, man. I want that because I believe in my God. If he wants to preserve my life, he will get me out of that situation. That's extreme hope in what? In yourself? No, in God. He's my sufficiency. I have no sufficiency myself. He is my sufficiency. He's working for me. He's alive. He's diligently praying for me. He's interceding for me, the Bible says. And he's acting on behalf of C3 Tugra like you wouldn't believe. So the first, the first thing of our foundation is this. First of all, we find that our hope is centered on God himself. He is the God of hope. Our hope rests on him. Psalm 73, 25, let's do this. Whom have I in heaven but you and earth has nothing? Nothing that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail. That means I may get stressed out, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Is that true? But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. Psalm 46, verse 5, blessed are those who, whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. Two, our second foundational is the word of God. Romans 15, 4 says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Got to go to the word of God, guys. I said this morning, who's got a favorite tune that just always makes you dance, that makes you believe, that makes you want to dream again? You, you hear it and you just become a superhero. You know, you wish this could be a soundtrack for life. If I could go to a job interview with this in my ear, I'll nail it. If I could go into the soccer field, if I could do life with this, this song, faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word of God. That scripture should be just like that. When you read it, you just go, wow, I am in Christ. Man, there are magnificent riches in Christ. I am properly positioned in life as being a Christian. But you know what? It grows very gray and very dim if you don't go to the Word of God. You start to realize, and you go to the Who magazine, you go, why don't I look like that? Why aren't I like that? Man, well, when you're in God, you just go, man, I'm so glad I'm like this. It only comes through the Word of God. Nothing will give you hope and nothing will give you true perspective than the word of God. Psalm 119 verse 89, your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. 
Isaiah 55 verse 10 says, And the rain and the snow came down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. You take in this word of God, folks, it's going to have a consequence. It's going to realign you. It's going to reboot you, reformat you, reconstitute you. It's going to turn you in to that Christ believer that you should be. Every bit of the Word of God that you take in, it's going to have a fruitful outcome in your life. It's going to produce fruit, in fact. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Hope and a future. Three, your third foundational part of your, of your, your hope factor in your life is the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.13 says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. 1.14 says, Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, our inheritance in Christ until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. When you got the Holy Spirit around your life, your hope will come alive. When you got the Holy Spirit in and around your life, your hope will come alive. Four, the fourth part of your foundation is the throne of God. Hebrews 6.6 6 says, People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of His purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. Imagine God making an oath to you, to his church. He has. The Bible says so. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, he, we who have fled to take hold, take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. Here it is. Here's the kicker. Hebrews 6, verse 19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. All right, let's get our anchor of hope. Let's get our anchor of hope. Who's been on a boat? Who's, who's ever used an anchor? Who's ever had the privilege? Yeah. Who's ever thrown an anchor out of a boat? Let's get our spiritual anchor. Where are we going to throw it? Where are we going to put it? Where are we going to throw this spiritual anchor for our hope? We need to throw it into the throne of grace, behind the veil, because the veil was torn from top to bottom. And Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And He wants us to put our hope in the God of hope and the two join with faith and we become absolutely electrified, energized with hope. Not wishful thinking, not I wish, I hope, I wish, I hope, I gamble. No, this hope, our hope is in God. Because why? Because your hope, your anchor is in God. And if it's in God, you can go to the ends of the universe. And guess what? He's going to be there. See, the soul, it drifts in the wind, in the tide of troubles and stuff that happens we drift we drift 
you wake up and you realize, what am I doing here? I'm nearly washing up on the rocks, man. I only went to sleep for a few hours and now I'm, man, I think I let out too much rope on my anchor. Lengthen the rope, lengthen the rope, lengthen the rope, lengthen the rope. Don't drift as the winds of adversity. I'm nearly done. What's the last one? Pastor Phil, what's the last one? Why do I need this anchor? When you're drifting on the tide, when the wind is against you in a storm. Five, Jesus, of course. It is Jesus who sits on the throne. It is He who is the foundation and center of our hope. The reason why the throne of God is a secure place for Christians, because He who rose from the dead is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, ever living to make intercession for you. Romans 8.34, Hebrews 7.25. He knows you, He created you, He loves you. He's here right now. He's praying for us. He's interceding for us. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, who has conquered sin and death. King of kings, Lord of lords, Almighty God, wonderful Saviour. He is there today sitting on the throne asking you to put your hope in Him. He's asking you to let your hope go into His presence and anchor onto the rock, into the rock, Christ Jesus our Lord. No use having your anchor in shifting sand. It needs to be in Him who is the rock of our salvation. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hebrews 12 once says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses tonight, C3 Tugra, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon. Selfless faith to live like Christ for all our days.